0: The following audios from the Chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the Chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Today we are going to be, um, last week was false advertisement because it went a little long and I realized we need to do part two of the story in Judges 6. So the scripture that was in the last week's bulletin was actually not. We're going to do that one next week. We are still going to be in Judges chapter 6. Uh, really unpacking the rest of Gideon's story and learning how to overcome strongholds. Last week was the big macro picture, like here's what it takes and how difficult it's going to be. And now now we're going to get into some specifics of what happened when Gideon went after the strongholds that were in his life. So if you weren't here, we'll do a little recap and then pray and then get into the word. Um, Gideon was scared because the israelites were being persecuted by the midianites so the, so gideon this guy who's the great hero the guy with the golden fleece he is terrified of the midianites so he was living in, in secrecy and hiding and we talked last week about living with a functional dysfunction when you do the wrong thing but you're you get so used to it that that's the only way you can function gideon was doing that he was beating out wheat in the wine press or making the first wheat beer however you want to look at that and then we talked about last week how God is the worst people picker of all time according to human standards. He always picks the jacked up, messed up, down and outers, the least intelligent types of people. This is who God picks. So welcome. He has picked you today. You are here. And, uh, and, and then God basically is beginning to reveal to Gideon that, that this is me. He's saying, Gideon, I, I'm God. That, This being that you're seeing in this packaged incarnation, this is me, God. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. So we're going to pray and then jump into Judges chapter six. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, you are good and you are stronger than the things that would seek to devour our lives. Lord, you want to give us more joy and we settle for cheap knockoffs. I pray that that would end today. Lord, I also pray for the way that we approach our strongholds today, those things in our lives, not that just hold on to us, but that we hold on to that are robbing us of joy in you, that are robbing us of peace, that are robbing us of being in right relationship with you and others. Lord, uh, our strongholds, our sin, our rebellion within us is going to seek to fight today, and I pray in the name of Jesus that it would die today. Be with us. Speak to us through your word. In Christ's name, all God's kids said, amen. amen. So here's Gideon. He's been picked. He's afraid. God's giving a, him a commandment. You've got to do this thing. He said, Gideon, you're going you're to take over and you're going to take at, down these strongholds at your father's house. And we're picking up in verse 22 today. And in verse 22, Gideon asked for a sign, and the angel of the Lord gave him a sign. And the verse 22 is the moment where Gideon realizes this is God. I'm talking to God face to face. Verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he, this person, was the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. I love that. I love promises from God. Now, now before we, we're, we're about to get into the point where God's told Gideon, you got to go tear down these idols in your father's house, these idols in the middle of your community. You've got to tear them down. But I like how God is priming everything. God's getting it ready to, to succeed. God's reminding Gideon who he is. Because if you weren't here last week or if you've forgotten, we define stronghold specifically based on 2 Corinthians 10. A stronghold, and we got this from one of our men's Bible studies a couple years back, and I love it. A stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth and keeps you from exalting Jesus above everything in your life. A stronghold is not just a sin that holds on to you, and that's oftentimes what we mean in Christianity. People say, oh, it's a stronghold. You know, alcohol is a stronghold. You got a hold of this guy or gambling or whatever. No, no. A stronghold is a broken way of thinking that we hold on to that causes our lives to fall apart at the seams. And part of the way to combat this is to embrace God's truth about himself, because a a stronghold is going to get you to think a lie about God, a deception about God. And God, right in the beginning of this part of Gideon's story, says, don't fear. Anyone wish they had less fear in their lives? Me, I do. You don't have to. I'll preach to myself. Uh, You shall not die. Anyone else play that game? What would you do if you knew you had 24 hours left to live? Right? What would you do? We all know what the country people would do. They would write a bull named Fu Manchu. Just seeing who the country people are. Sorry, I don't know if there's a hip hop equivalent to that song. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's called "Live Like You Were Dying," I think. Um, now it's in your head, right? I went. It's gotten there. Okay. Um, so, so God gives Gideon this this information. Peace be to you. Shalom be to you. My covering's going to be around you. Don't fear. You shall not die. Now. If you're Gideon and you're being asked to stop being afraid, you've been hiding from the Midianites, you've been ducking out so people don't see you, you've been living in a functional dysfunction because that's the only way you could make it along. And now God's saying, we're going to change some things, Gideon. And I need you to understand from the outset, I'm bigger and badder than the things that you're facing. You may think that tearing down this idol or this Asher pole is hard, but I promise you I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm more, uh, more powerful than these other things. So then Gideon says this. Then Gideon built an altar there where he heard this message to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, not Oprah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. Verse 25, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Verse 27. So Gideon, this might not be up there behind me. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. So here's Gideon. This guy, he's just afraid. And here are some of you today. I, I, I can feel it in my bones. Some of you today are, are asking this question, like, if I get rid of these things in my life that I know are broken, that I know are dysfunctional, that I know are, are weighing me down, pulling me away from God, how am I going to, ha- to have joy? Like, people look at Christianity oftentimes. They see Christianity and they think, Christianity is a religion that just tries to take all the fun things out of life. And I understand why we think that. I I remember as clear as day, and I know I mock it often, but I I can't get over the number of times uh, when I came to know Jesus in a a high school group and they had those CD burn parties where you would take your CDs and you would put them all in a trash can if they didn't honor Jesus, right? So if if you didn't, Grew up in that area, you don't, you're like, what, they did that? Yes, they did this in actual youth groups, and for those of you who are totally lost, a CD is this disc, and they used to have music on it, and you would put it into this, like, mouth, like, pack, anyway, okay, um, that's a CD, and and they would do this every, and they would say, and the first time, I didn't know, you get caught off guard, you know, and they're like, oh, everyone bring in your CDs, and as a brand new believer, I'm thinking, great, finally a good time in this place, like, I don't like these songs they're singing, they do hand motions for 18-year-olds, not good, so I bring in my CDs, and I had, like, the collection, I mean, we're talking, like, Sync, Metallica, Backstreet Boys, not in that order, don't judge me, okay, and, uh, and they would say, like, this amazing message, if you have CDs that don't honor Jesus, And I'm like looking at my CD thing, and I'm like, do I just throw the whole book in the fire? Like, what do I do? You just put them in the trash can. And I was the guy that was going up with like four CDs. Like, I pretended like my book of 250. Like, only four of these don't honor Jesus, and I've only been here for three weeks in church. You guys are crazy. And, uh, but I remember I figured, like, if I sacrifice Metallica, ride the lightning on the altar of God, then God will still love me. So I I took that ride, the lightning album, and, uh, and I threw it in, and I'm, like, looking down there, and I'm, like, someone threw away Alice in Chains. They are sinning. Like, someone get back and get your CD. And then, uh, and then they destroyed them all, like, in front of us. And then I bought that album again <laughs> and again. And now I've got the digital download, neener, 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 youth pastors. Um, <laughs> but, but what's happening is, is that people view Christianity as this, like, joy kill, this thing where we're just going to give you all these rules to suck happy out of your life. And God is saying, no, 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 no. The fullest joy is in me. The Bible says that if in my presence there is fullness of joy and at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if you want joy and pleasure to the maximum, go closer to God. Don't run from God. If you want joy and pleasure to the maximum, you're going to have to tear down the strongholds from your life because there are things in your life today that you're holding on to that you know are not lined up with God. And in your mind, oh, Sophia, she's that way, sweetie. I love this frantic mother running down the aisle. This is what a family church looks like, everybody. It's cool. And, I mean, eventually we get electric fences and everything, but that's for you guys, not for the kids, okay? Okay, uh, so this is amazing because... Um, Video editing is the most incredible gift that God's given pastors uh, for that and all the Freudian slips. Okay, Uh, so, so here we go, and I want you to begin to think of the areas in your life, and whether you are not walking with Jesus yet or you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, think of the areas that are broken right now. Think of the areas where you know there is a dysfunction here. The way that I relate to my spouse, the way that I relate to my boss or my employees, the way that I relate to my kids or my job, the way that I relate to, to certain sins. Maybe, uh, maybe for you, there's a sin that you keep going back to to give you security, to give you significance. And, and let me put this in just blanket terms here, like straight up. Um, let's say you have the worst day of your life. If your first impulse is to go to a drink, um, then that is an, a, a stronghold that you're thinking, this drink will bring me pleasure and relief more than the God of the universe will. So these are the strongholds I want you to zoom in on today. I want you to get it in your mind, the area. And if you're like, hey, I'm here, I'm perfectly um, fine. I have zero dysfunctions in my life. Everyone loves me. I love everyone. I'm not prone to being anxious or fearful. If you're here and that's you thinking that, please come up here right now, Jesus. I really want to meet you. Okay, Um, so here's what Gideon does. He says okay, I'm going to do this. God's told me to pull down the altar. There's two of them. One of them is Baal. Everyone say Baal. I like all the country people are like, that's Baal. Hey, no, it's a Baal. Baal's above. B-A-L. It's the God of weather, the God of rain, the God that they would cry out to when their crops were getting crunchy. It's the God that says, we're not going to have our prosperity, our food, or it's a God that would cry to if a storm was coming. Baal, save us from this storm. Think of it like an angrier, nasty-looking version of Thor with some extra human powers. And God says, you're going to tear that one down with the bull. You bring your father's bull. You're going to put a rope on it, tie it onto that big thing, and, and that bull is going to tear it down. Then it says, you're going to chop down the Asherah, cut it down. Really, it means uproot it. Like, take down the Asherah at its roots. The Asherah was the, this spiritual being, the demonic power that they worshiped for fertility. So if you want to have a kid, you go to the Asherah. If you want your herd to multiply, you would pray and talk to Asherah. And as I'm talking to you right now, some of you are thinking, well, we don't even do these weird ancient gods anymore. Like, what are you talking about? Like, none of us here, I'm, are there any Baal worshipers in the house? If you're here, glad you're here. I don't know how you got here, but I'm super pumped. I've not met the person who's like, hey, we're going to lay new floors in our kitchen. Before we do that, let's do a pentagram in goat's blood and then put the new nalonium on top. And then in between snack time and dinner time, we put the kids down for a nap. That's our Ouija time for husband and wife connecting. Now, I, I don't meet those people. I mean, maybe they're out there. I want to meet them. Those are like, they sound like cool people that would keep Metallica and not burn it five times. Um, but, but Gideon, Gideon's tearing these down. And, and you may think, well, I don't worship Baal. Well, do you worship security? Do you you cry out to something when there's a storm coming? I mean, I was just here for Irma. I've never seen people love Dennis Phillips or whatever his name is more than during Irma. Like, do you remember how crazy that was? We don't even remember. Floridians, you guys have the shortest memory. Every year, hurricane season comes around. And every year, the weathermen become like gods. I mean, I tuned into that guy's Facebook page like you could not believe. I refresh, refresh, refresh. I gotta see what Dennis Phillips. Am I gonna be safe, Dennis Phillips? And God's in the heavens like, what are you doing? He's a dude with the doppelganger thing. Doppler, not doppelganger. Yeah. And I'm like, but he knows, Lord. Or maybe, maybe instead of going to bail to find out if you're gonna have crops or herds or whatever you go to your demigod, which is your 401k or your savings account. How do you know if that's you? Um, Let's say you've been collecting Bitcoin. And if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, just ignore me, but Bitcoin just tanked like half its value. And you could tell the people investing in it because they once had hair and now they don't. You could tell when people's lives rest in the stock market because when it goes up, they're like coming out, clapping, doing a little rain dance. When the stock market goes down, they're like, it went down 500 points. And When you're a basketball player like me, that's a lot. I'm like, 500 points? Is that a lot? That sounds like a lot. Oh, that sounds really bad. I don't know. But I'm also a pastor. So like investment, pretty bad at it. Like I invest in the next life. Not to say you don't have to invest. You can invest all you want. But if the Dow goes down and your heart goes down, it might, might be a little bail in your life. Or maybe sexuality. Some of you are thinking, well, we don't have an Asherah pole. We don't have this poll that we go to for f- fertility and sexual pleasure. Oh, don't we? We just don't call them Asherah poles anymore. We call them smartphones. Because the amount of sexual temptation and sin available to, to my kids, to our kids, to us today, if you have one of these in your pockets, which is like everyone, there's three people with a flip phone in the world and they need Jesus still. The amount of sexual temptation available is More more than the entire world had compiled up to 1990. Like the entire history of the world, and then we come along, create one device, and now it's widespread. We don't call it Asherah pole, we call it pornography. And you think, well, we don't worship those old gods, we do, they just have new names. And and whatever your stronghold is, I I need you to understand something. You've got to, A, tear it down, it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be pleasant to tear down something that your life has been revolving around. It's not going to be present, pleasant to go into your thinking and find out, man, my thinking has been broken. I've been trusting money. I've been trusting power. I've been trusting this, my anger, my rage, my anxiety. I, I've always thought those things would help me get through, but they don't. It's going to be painful when you tear down, which is why it says that you have to cut down, or, or the word is uproot the ashra. Literally go down to the roots of who you are to find out where this stronghold, this way of thinking began to get built. And you've got to start figuring out where it got broken. Now, now for some of you, that's hard. Some of you, you're going to, like we said last week, you're going to follow this chain back into your life. And, and let me just, some real talk right here. Some of you are in terrible marriages because you're terrible people. Straight. it's just You know it. Your spouse knows it. Some of you Are terrible people because of what happened to you throughout your life don't you think it's fascinating that the the children who were abused physically that the, the majority of abusers today like parents that are abusing their kids majority of them were abused as kids do you think that's weird like the most horrific thing a child can go through getting abused physically in some way and 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 i'm speaking from experience like you think i hate this why is this happening to me? I don't get it. Why? And and then all of a sudden, fast forward 20 years, those kids grow up and so much of the time they become the abusers. And and if you're not in law enforcement or first responders or like therapy, you you might not know these statistics, but it's, it is rampant. It's weird that, that we just say, okay, you know, I'm just going to make a couple changes, a couple tweaks, but none of us are willing to go back and uproot where our lives got broken because it's painful. Have you seen those tree stump grinders? Those things where they come and cut the tree down at your house, but to get the tree dead, they take this machine that just grinds the stump down into dust. This, this last week, a week ago, um, I had this tree in my backyard. and well, It was a little tree at the time, and I didn't like it. It was getting diseased, so I chopped it down last year, and I left the stump. And in Florida, if you leave anything um, for a year in Florida, it's going to grow something on it so it just shot up, all these little things, and they had thorns on them. So I had to go back out again last week, and I'm taking the hatchet, and I'm chopping it down again, but I didn't get the stump yet because I don't have a stump grinder, but I'm going to because I know people with a stump grinder. I'm going to go to Frank's house tomorrow morning. I'm going to get some horrendous acid and poison and a stump grinder and kill it, but a lot of us aren't willing to go to that length for our spirituality. A lot of us are, are content with just doing the the status quo, the bare minimum. We don't want to we don't want to cast everything off because what if we lose some of the fun? What's well, I love Hebrews twelve. I, I love this verse because it gives us such a picture of of redeeming the broken things in our life and you say well how do I do it well first follow it back find out what got broken in your life and God's going to give you like one at a time he's not going to say here's all your jacked up thinking and ways of living he's going to say here's one I'm going to help you through it I'm going to give you a team around you but but in Hebrews 12 I love this it says since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses these people of the faith who have gone before us let us also lay aside every weight And sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Most people think that Christianity is about getting rid of your sin, but in Hebrews, he's saying if you want to get freedom, if you want to have peace, if you want to have no more anxiety and fear or or see those things greatly reduced, you've got to do a couple things. You've got to get rid of your sin, but not only your sin, it says get rid of every weight. Now, um, anybody love running in here? Like, love it. Who loves running? One, two, three, four, five, six people that need Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm not a runner. I'm, I'm not, built. you may look at me and think, yeah, like, that guy's an athlete. I can tell I get that look all the time. No, I'm not really. Um, I don't even have a, I, I had running shoes. They start getting bald on the bottom. So like if I want to exercise now, what I've got are these size fourteen Laker purple high top basketball shoes from like nineteen ninety seven. Okay, like the last time I played basketball. And we're talking these things are boats, and this is before they had technology that made things breathable. So we're it's like leatherette. You put your feet in these things, it's like two ovens, and you're just walking around cooking your feet like pork chops. Okay, and then I don't I have basketball shorts like that a gangbanger would wear. Okay, and then I've got. Um, like XL shirts. I'm not doing the tank top thing because I'm not a Floridian and I care about my skin, okay? Um, So I lather up sunscreen, double XL, basketball shorts, Laker purple shoes. If you try to run like that, I mean, first off, let's do one thing. Like your feet in Florida are getting cooked in flip-flops already. So you put on some pleatherette things, Laker purple, drawing down the sun's fury. You get your basketball shorts. You can only make it halfway around your block before, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's sweat or humidity or the combination and anger of both. Your shorts just become wet. There's no drawstring in the world that's going to hold that up. So I'm, I'm, I'm researching. I'm trying, like, I, I want to become a runner. Because I see these people in fishhawk running. I see them out there. I see you guys. I see you, I can't see it in a six-foot-six frame. But you know those, those guys, they wear the Daisy Duke shorts <laughs> with the slit. And they got that shirt. They call it wicking material. It just shoots sweat off you like a water gun, just ta, ta, which is sort of rude to the people you're running with. I don't know how it works anyway. Uh, and their shoes. I mean, some people have these shoes. I'm talking to you. You got those shoes. They're like finger shoes. They're's, they're like, we, we want to be so minimal, we go in between your toes. He's, 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 I'm making fun of him, so he's taking his baby out. <laughs> Sorry. It'll get better. Finger shoe. But those people, you could run. I mean, if you're going to run, if that's your thing, if you want to suffer, if you want to run the race spiritually, you've got to not just get rid of the sin, but get rid of anything that holds you back. Cast off things that just don't push you forward to Jesus. Don't don't do the equivalent of putting on your your high-top Laker purple shoes and your oversized shorts and your shirt, and then get a backpack with some dumbbells in it and maybe a sandbag under this arm. And you would think, I would never see anybody running like that. I know because it makes no sense, but we're spiritually doing the same thing every time we say, well, I'll get rid of this sin and this sin, but I'm going to hang on to this because church people don't care if I do this. You know what? Church people don't care a lot about a lot of things. Church people want us to look good on the outside. And I'm not talking about other church people. I'm talking about us church people, me church people. As long as you look good, you can pass. okay. It's okay. I mean, I don't think you're that bad. And I don't even judge the sins that normal pastors judge. Like, I don't care if you're coming in here smoking a cigar. I mean, leave it outside for the sake of the children. If you drop the occasional bad word, I'm not like, oh. But man, do we, don't we do that? I've heard it happen here. Because I know some of y'all, you talk like sailors outside of here. And then you talk like a sailor inside of here. And your wife is like, Whoosh. What did you just do? You just trained that person to behave differently in front of a certain subset of people. So you're letting, you're saying keep on your Laker purple shoes, just don't wear them to chapel. Keep on your spiritual brokenness, just don't be broken in front of other people that I want to appear not broken in front of. Here's a big old news flash. We just went through this last week. God picks the jacked up, messed up, lowly, afraid, anxious people. Everyone in this room, if they were being honest, would say, yes, I've had anxiety. I've been afraid of something. I haven't wanted to step out and done what God's told me to do. But because we have to fear the hand that might pluck us on the back of the head, we, we just don't let the honesty creep out. So, so here's what you gotta do. You gotta tear it down. You follow back, find out where it was broken. It might be in your family. And, and what's difficult about this Is that when you tear it down, when you uproot it, when you go deep and you get specific and you say, here is my brokenness, get a team of people to do it with you. And at the Band of Brothers, we call it up, down, side to side. So get someone above you that's pouring into you. Find someone that you can pour into and encourage. And then get some people to walk with. Gideon took 10 guys. Maybe it's 10 for you. Maybe it's two. But notice where Gideon builds the altar to God. He rips down Baal, chops down the Asherah, and God says, build me an altar on top of the rubble. Don't go somewhere else. Build it right there. I would love to see a church planting movement that just put strip clubs out of business and planted churches. Just out of business, new church. Out of business, new church. Building God's stuff on the rubble. Not the reverse. There there was a church where I came from that that was a church and then turned into a lingerie store, which could be biblical if you're married. But anyway, um, there was, if you're not married, do not fornicate. Have I said that clearly enough? teenagers. Okay. There's this idea that that you want to get away from the bad stuff and go to the good stuff. God says, chop down the bad stuff and build to me on top of it. And then put the bull and sacrifice it right on top of it. We don't sacrifice a bull because Jesus is sacrificed and redeems our old broken busted upness. When we are weak, he is strong because he died for us, sits on top of it. And here's why you do this. You don't just run from it. Because if you have a place to look back with fond memories, have you ever noticed that things get fonder and better as time goes on? Like, have you ever just asked the question, why is it that every male that grew up from 1960 to 1990, they were always like all-American varsity best athlete in their entire world? Have you noticed that? Like, go to a family reunion. Talk to Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob, you're like, Uncle Bob, dude, I've seen you you can't even play foosball, let alone catch a football. But he was an all-American, destroy everything, best athlete in the world. Maybe that's just my family. It might be a Filipino thing. I don't know. But, uh, but all my uncles were the best athlete in the family, all of them. And everyone was an all-American. And, and when you look back on your life, you might grow fond of the sin that you left behind. So God says, level it, build an altar to me on top of it, and I don't know what, what that is for you. And I'm not trying to be super like, legalistic on you today. But let's say um, for you, you can't unwind. You can't um, find peace or relaxation without a drink. And, and you've, if you've been here long enough, you know I am not anti-drinking. But if you're like constantly turning to a bottle of liquor to solve your woes, your thinking is broken. Your thinking says, this will help me have the peace that I want. But the reality is God can help me have the peace that I want. This is a Band-Aid when I need surgery and resurrection. So here's what you do, you get three people, you get your crew, you're up, down, side to side. You say, "Hey, I I think I got this problem." Like I come home and I just every day, and I think that's what's going to give me the peace, and it never does. That's why I keep going back to the bottle. So so you you get your friends and you 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 give away all of your alcohol to them. I'll be your friend today. (laughs) And. And we're going to put like Bibles and commentaries about Jesus up in your liquor cabinet. And if you've got one of those wine racks, we're going to roll up Outreach New Testaments and put them in the little tubes. And if you have boxed wine, you've got way deeper issues than that. Uh, but, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to come alongside you. We're going to replace what was once a, an, an idol, what was once this thing that was in the center of your life. And we're going to say, no, put Jesus there. That way you're not constantly looking around and saying, wait, but wait, where's my wine? It's, it's right where Jesus is now. You can take Jesus out if you want to put that back. And you can do this with anything. You, if you have some addiction, if it, maybe th- we talked about pornography. I mean, this is a huge epidemic, not just for men, not just for teenage boys, for everyone right now. Maybe it's here or maybe it's here. What do you do? You replace it. You, you cut down the idols. You say, this is robbing me of joy. It's saying that I can get pleasure from this, but that pleasure never satisfies. and That pleasure leads down dark roads. So I need like five people. Come around. Now, I'm not saying that you take a sledgehammer to your iPad, although some of you may need to do that. But what you need to understand is we can take all of our idols now, and Jesus died for them and says, despite all of your shortcomings, despite your brokenness, because you will fail again and again and again, Despite those things, Jesus says, just keep bringing them to the cross. Keep bringing them to the cross. I've paid for everything. Keep bringing it to the cross. And the cross, if if we are doing this thing called Christianity, sits atop the pile of ashes that was our former addiction, that were our former gods that we served. So as we fail, we're already wrapped up in God's love for us. As we fail, we're already sitting at the cross. As we fail, we're we're here, and God says, I, I died so you could live. We chopped down the in your life, and we, we built this cross, and, and I was the sacrifice. You, you've been looking to bail. You've been looking to your, your security in, in the stocks and the bonds and precious metals and whatever you're doing, but, but you don't realize those things could fall in an instant, and I'm here still. God wants us to see and replace our old affections for our new affection for jesus until you finish out that hebrews 12 thing you you cast off sin you get you get aside every weight that keeps you back and then you look at jesus it says fix your eyes on jesus until you become obsessed with him and white hot for him you'll keep looking back you'll keep wanting to go somewhere else um Thomas there's a, an article a great article called the expulsive power of a new affection by Thomas Chalmers and it it basically says you can't just end a habit you've got to replace it with a new one you can't just end an affection you've got to replace it with a new one and um and I've I been like on this literally at a 38 year battle of being fit well not really 38 it was really since I started In-N-Out Burger um but but even now I'm like okay I got to get healthy And I have to get my physical. My insurance company keeps emailing me because I got this new company. They're like, hey, you need your physical. And you guys, I hate physicals. I hate physicals because they're going to tell me the same thing they tell me every stinking year. I get a stinking physical. The nurse or representative of the insurance company is going to call me. There's Mr. Torona there. And I say, no, my dad's not here. And um, and then they say, we got your results back from your blood test. Do you eat a lot of fatty meats and cheeses? I told you my dad's not here. Yes, I do. And then they'll go over my cholesterol numbers. So then I'm like, oh, i got to get in shape. And then it'll be like, well, why do I want to get in shape? Oh, I want to, you know, I want to get that waist size. I want to wear this thing, you know. And the good thing I have for keeping in a, a moderate amount of shape is that I bought my suits to marry and bury people in. So, like, wedding season is from, like, March until June or July. So I have to be at a certain weight, um, Otherwise, I can't officiate weddings because I'm not going to get my suit tailored out. Um, I'm not that guy. I just said, God, no more. So I just go there like a gogur getting squeezed from the feet up. And, um, and I think, well, that's a good reason. But it never gets me motivated enough because I don't care about other people's weddings enough to really lose that much weight. It wasn't until, um, and I don't, for whatever reason, you know, my, the fourth kid being born. Like when Jackson was born, I was like lit up. Like, oh, I love this kid so much. He's the best. And then I would talk about dying all the time. My wife's like, you just talk about dying. Don't you want to be around for your kids? And I'm like, well, God will take care of me. He took care of me. And for whatever reason, like the fourth kid now is on the way. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking like, people say, well, don't you want to see Bella Rose? It's the most beautiful name, Bella Rose. I mean, I'm partial. Don't you want to see her graduate from high school? And I'm thinking, I probably do. And then I say, don't you want to see her get married? No, not that long. I don't want to live that long. (laughs) You take, God, you get me through high school, and then just take me home, baby. But it's, it's a different motivation. It's one now where it's, you know, in my 20s, it was like, I just want to be ripped. I just want to have abs. You can see through my T-shirt. I want to look like Thor and scare children in Publix. And now I'm like, I just got to get my numbers down, <laughs> be healthy. <laughs> it's a different motivation. And, you know, I think this one's working a little bit better because uh, My addiction to bacon, I mean, it's still there. Don't get me wrong. The bacon force is strong with this one. But you guys, I think I could eat kale from time to time. I'm going to go on a limb and just say that. I will eat dense, dirty lettuce from time to time. I used to be, like, offended when people were like, oh, I'm vegan, I'm vegan, I'm vegan. And I'm like, I crushed some tofu too, baby. Because now I've got a, a new affection that is saying... This matters more to me than, than pork belly tacos from Bar Taco. This matters more to me than pizza at 1130 at night. This matters more to me than the beer, pizza, and taco day. This matters more because Jesus loved me so much. And he says, now I love you, and I've given you these kids. And Ryan, I'm just taunting you. Just keep your eyes on me because what I don't want to do is fix my eyes on my kids and make them my reason for living. It's always my, my little pet peeve. People are like, I love focus on the family. I'm like, yeah, focus on the family is great. They give you great resources. Just don't focus too much or your family will become your God. The Bible says fix our eyes on Jesus as we lay aside every weight and encumbrance. Gideon had to tear down the idols and build his God life on top of it. And if you don't know where to start, I promise you today, there are people that will help you start. Today, there's going to be people at the cross after service and you say, I don't have friends. I can't start. Well we will manufacture fake Jesus-y friends for you. (laughs) Straight up. I don't know anybody. I don't trust anybody. Good, you're in my boat. I trust all of like four people. And they're all people who are like, either I married them by choice or they share my DNA. Okay? But you've got to start somewhere. You can't tear down the idols by yourself. You can't walk back through your history by yourself. We've We've got people here that would love to get to know you. And you don't pour out all your junk on them day one. Like don't come up here and just vomit your life tragedy on them because they don't need all that mess. But come up and say, "Hey, can we have coffee?" And if you have no money, y- you go to guest services, you steal the gift cards we give to new people, and you go to Cool Beans. And you just say, "We need to we need to deal with these things." Cuz if you don't, they'll continue to rob you of joy. They'll continue to weigh you down, and you'll be running down the Florida street spiritually and your laker purple nike leatherette shoes, oversized basketball shorts, humidity drowning you with a backpack full of sand on your back. Don't be that guy spiritually. Jesus says, "Give me your backpack, give me your shoes, give me those nasty shorts. I got I got a new outfit for you. It's all me and it's all good." Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you would that you would come into my life that you would break in to my life and break down, rip down idols. God, I pray for people in here who are so entrenched in their version of Baal and the Asherah that they can't even see clearly. God, open our eyes. Send your spirit to blow our eyes open to see what we are worshiping and to to finally find freedom. Lord, there are marriages here in distress. There are finances here in distress. There there are child and parent relationships here in distress. There are addictions here that run deep, and it all stems from broken thinking and lies about who you are and how much you love us. So I pray that you would turn those lies and show us truth. I pray that you would defeat the voice that would seek to tear us down, make us afraid and anxious, and that you would stand triumphant in the cross of your son Jesus. Lord, today is a day where people can find freedom, but they've got to come to the altar. They've got to build a life for you on top of the rubble. And Lord, that only begins, thrives, and ends by faith alone. So I pray that you would grant faith to your people this morning, that you would set weary sinners free. In the name of Jesus, amen.